0: This is for the passionate Seahawks fans. The ones who care about scheme more than hot takes. The ones who want X's and O's and not talking heads. From the eye in the sky. Yes. This is yes. Seattle Overload. Is Seattle Overload. With your hosts, Matty F. Brown, Griffin Sturgeon, and Ty Dane Gonzalez. Let's go!
1: Welcome to the Seattle Overload live reaction to the Seahawks' Week 10 loss, unfortunately, to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 21 to 16. Seattle couldn't make it five in a row. And this was a game where, really, yeah, they did some good things, but it was a very incomplete game. The first half was especially hard for them to overcome. And really, I, I kind of am left with the impression that they got out coached. Before we dive deep into that, Griff, would you agree with the overall assessment?
2: Yeah, it definitely felt like a, a game where. If you're trying to make one uh one's one like defining statement, I would put it on I put most of it on um the the coaching and, and the the game plan. They were outworked in that regard.
1: Ty.
3: Yeah. Uh I felt like they got outcoached as well. And yet, despite all of that, it felt like they were really one or two plays away from potentially winning this game. Uh so it's another one of those games for for the Seahawks where it's like all these things went wrong for them, but they were still that close to actually coming out with wins. So it's disappointing, uh, but you get the bye week coming up and uh, you get to reset for back to neutral here and uh, go back to the drawing board. The drawing board? The drawing board. All oh, right,
1: thank you, thank you. <laughs> yeah, so a big thing that I wanted to highlight in terms of that kind of outcoached theme was Brian Monet was inactive, and yeah. that, you know, raises some eyebrows because I think of the Buccaneers as always wanting to get a power run game going, always wanting to get gap runs going and doing it from heavier kind of personnel looks too. And, you know, eye formation kind of appearances. We don't know why Monet was inact- in- inactive because I wasn't at peak hours press conference. I was in the locker room where I was talking to Miles Adams and he admitted he was a bit rusty at nose tackle, which is where he spent most of his time now obviously they have our words, but they got run on they got absolutely run on and this was the buccaneers season high uh, rushing total they rushed 44 times to 161 yards with 3.7 yards a carry which that's not the best yards per carry but if you times 3.7 times by 3 you know you're you're getting a first down so right is enough and then they had big plays on top of that And obviously, you know, there's no statistical proof yet that the run game um, uh, frequency or efficiency actually benefits play action. However, however, are we discoursing
2: six minutes into this?
1: We're not. No, we're not discoursing on that. However, Matthew i don't want to disagree however the buccaneers set up everything Matthew, off you're being toxic play action.
3: right
1: now is set everything up off the run there was then play action stuff which yeah. was just it just killed seattle and there was moments where seattle's defense seemed to have it together but really it, that absence of monet griff uh feels big to me
2: yeah um i mean i, I it does feel big and i at the same time though and well it feels big but at the same time i don't think that they were the the run game issues were really like the interior guys getting moved mm. so much and there were definitely moments but i think that when they were and again this is just broadcast observations but when they were in bear when they were in odd space stuff um i felt like the interior was sound it was when the ball got spilled out to the perimeter or the, the scheme went out to the perimeter. Where they were having issues and we'll get that in a second but not having mona meant that you didn't have particularly negative plays kind of like maybe mona or adams at his best was like it's like a stalemate um but part of the reason why their run defense has been so good is that they're just dominating you know the alternative to dominating doesn't mean being dominated it can mean just doing like barely holding up and and either way they were still lacking the the dominance in the interior but that said i um they were running a lot of those gap or those gap runs, power encounter up to the C gap bubble. And I feel like this is a game where, and especially we'll know once we get into the tape, but this is a game where not having built in front adjustments or complementary calls when you are in bear to manage the C and D gap. If finally, if, if, if finally came back to bite them, because like we talked about last week, they're presenting weak spots and they're not doing, which every front has a weak spot. And teams are running all the calls you should be running at it. And they're handling it just fine. And this game, it felt like finally that that damn broken. Like a lot of those runs would get strung out. And it looked like things were kind of neutral for either side. And then all of a sudden the ball would just hit. And then they would, Fournette or their other guy, would just kind of glide up for six, seven yards a few times. um, And a couple of times even more. So I feel like that finally just kind of bit him in the butt a little bit. What did you guys see on that front?
3: Well, so the um the bucks ended up averaging 3.7 yards uh, per rush attempt in this game which is fine that's like bottom 3 bottom 4 level production so you can live with that overall but that when you really look at the big picture here the first half running numbers were i mean they were most importantly here they were they were getting into short yarded situations and that's why they were ultimately 10 for 15 on third down because they could just do whatever they wanted in, in those situations and so um, you know, and I think again, a big part of that is, you know, they uh, as simple and cliched as this is, I, they just kind of straight up lost the battle in the trenches in this game. And and that's uh, on both sides of the coin. And so, uh, they, they were getting their ass beat in the first half. Um, and, uh, and it just set the tone for the rest of that, for how the rest of that half went. And that just set the, the Seahawks back too far, uh, for them to, uh, climb back from.
1: Yeah, that um, that whole thing that we've always seen, but Tom Brady took what was there, and when Seattle came out in their two, four, five, or even front, and I feel they wanted to run that uh, a bit more against the Buccaneers because I don't think they expected. Well, Carroll has said afterwards that they didn't expect uh, Tampa Bay to pass in certain formations they didn't expect play action from certain formations and other Seahawks players like Nwosu uh Miles Adams brought it up to me first they mentioned how Tampa Bay in in the locker room how Tampa Bay switched up their tendencies yeah and it's kind of crazy to me i mean yeah the nfl is all about finding the edge and you have to acknowledge tendencies but on a sh- kind of weird short week it's kind of crazy to me that seattle spent you know that much of a Uh, effort on tendencies that impacted them in this manner now going uh tampa bay going 10 for 15 on third down that is brady taking what's there seattle still struggling in their 45 245 adams told me that again it's a similar thing of you have less help than the bare front Uh, you're more having to take the doubles for the linebackers behind you're not one-on-one and he prefers playing forward in the bear stuff which i mean i think every defensive lineman on the seahawks seems to be in that kind of position um and then also seattle had some coverage bus which griff i think had sort of been coming
2: um
1: or had already come but brady took advantage
2: uh yeah um so yeah so like on the on the tendency though no, i think th- there is kind of like maybe A deeper lesson where because they are one of the past heaviest teams in the league um but so to then you know run more than you're than you're expecting that's i if if you think about that you're trying to prepare and match what a team does that that leaning all the way into a tendency breaking game plan if you're an offense can work really well for you um but then also uh, on the flip side of that when they are in their run formations where the you they could run or play action their run rate within that is also extremely high hmm. so it's there's some um there's some dichotomy there um and from a tendency perspective it's they just kind of messed around with it so yeah they're they're using seattle's information against them and maybe it's something that can only work you know one or two times i felt like a lot of the a lot of the play action stuff over the middle um I think you kind of live with the results, at least the stuff that was meant to attack the second level and not like truly like the third level, you know, necessarily past the third level, but kind of in with like the deep intermediate area, they could have played that better. The stuff that happened at the second level, yeah, they connected on some things, but, you know, it's Tom Brady and he's just going to rifle those in there. It's not as though they weren't ready for it, Granted, Barton had, I don't know if that was play action, but, but Barton had an interception. Brooks almost had one. A lot of those, and then a lot of those throws were tightly contested. The, the corners were squeezing the digs and they just couldn't quite defend everyone. I feel like that's just kind of the the nature of playing Tom Brady and Godwin and Julio Jones and Mike Evans. And you kind of just have to live with it a little bit. It was a lot of the stuff where they were busting uh like you, like you were alluding to, um, the like they had stacked formations and then they would throw the running back to the flat quickly, you know, call a fast three, right? And that triggers a different rule depending on the coverage you're in. And they were praying both with an E and an A, praying that um, on and for the, the defense to play it a certain way and get caught in something. And sure enough, like that one seam route, um, they went over both the linebackers outstretched arms um, but the the distribution forced seattle to zone off and force them out of their match rules and maybe plainly speaking maybe some guy was supposed to do something that they didn't maybe neil because they had a go wheel combination out of a stack maybe neil was supposed to carry and the wheel is supposed to prevent him from zoning to the flat yeah, with the tight ends right it was, you're right. It was, yeah. it was either condensed tight ends or a wing, um, but kind of similar rules. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And ultimately it's just good design, but it's, it it's left to which when we talk about Seattle being out game planned, out coached out schemed, they put on tape last week, the Cardinals doing similar things and trying to manipulate Seattle's Rip Liz rules and Seattle to those stacks. And cause the problem is, well, who's the number one, who's the number two. Seattle solved and you have the fast three in the flat. You want to be able to defend the check down. Seattle solved that by zoning off, having the 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 overhang kneel in this case, zone off or is Josh Jones. But he would zone off, meaning he doesn't care anybody. He just kind of plays spot drop rules. And the the patterns at the second level that Cliff threw out didn't break them. Like they played it right. This game, they're like, okay, they're gonna zone off if we give them these looks but we just need to make sure the route patterns then break the the spot drop principles and they did and like that one that that one up the seam i don't even know is provided everybody played their their like
1: rule yeah, right it's, it's a i good, don't good beta it's just right. a good completion Diggs makes a big hit on it, a legal hit in the post he just can't physically plant his foot and play the ball because it's accurate and it's just the hole in the coverage of right. your spot dropping and,
2: and Woolen can't midpoint because his route is outbreaking. So if it was normal split, he would feel more confident because that route can only go vertical or kind of hitch up,
1: right? I wondered if Neil was meant to – not me- Neil. I wonder if Neil pushed and then Cody was meant to cover it a bit more match-like. But... That, that's,
2: the, that's the only thing I can think is that you rarely ever have the near-hook man turn with something up the seam. And we only see that from them when they're pushing to the sale. And when they have drop seven cover three, they are just not doing that anymore. It's all on the the overhang to sail with it. And granted, this wasn't a sale, this was a, a wheel vertical. It was right up the numbers. Um so I, I I feel like this is then on the coaching staff to institute, you know, the the pattern match rules to to figure this out because they're going to see more of it. Um
1: but it's been an issue all season. I like, I don't understand. <laughs> I just don't yeah. understand. But yeah, I mean it was uh, a nasty the other... play. Is... It was yeah. They and that's why the run matters and th- their ability to hard play action fake. Like the pass rush was nullified by that. And anyway, but what? How did you um? Before we kick it over to Ty Griff, how did you view the Julio Jones uh, underneath touchdown? 'Cause that uh, I believe the broadcast said was on Kobe Bryant, but that seems like a crazy play to ask Bryant to yeah. get on get onto a, a shallow crossing yeah. route. If anything, Brooks should do that, but then we don't digs doesn't really play like the backside quarter play. He pushes over to the two, but then it, is, it's, it was an odd play. It was an
2: odd play and assuming and that had Kobe beater. and a good beater too. Assuming Kobe did what he was supposed to do. It's really interesting because they haven't done that yet. Where it's quarters across the board, right? And then you've got mm-hmm. Bryant as the strong apex, whatever, uh, not apex overhang, and he's carrying a route with outside leverage, and they're in a split field coverage. So that give that right away. That gives you like TCU special or like you know cover seven stump stubby yes. vibes, right?
1: And and Jackson's playing uh, like man like on his guy. Uh, outside of brian inside uh, alignment
2: so it's it 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 gets very um interesting i think they're in dime so neil was the weak flat defender and it was third and ten so it would make sense that it was a specialized trips check quarters call if you get a weak shallow route from that weak number one receiver especially when they're the the alignment is reduced you're thinking okay that's like a shallow indicator as you're saying you have to have something game plan for it so if neil is expanding to the flat because he's the flat defender then that means that only and, and if kobe has an assigned match he can't possibly read what's going on on the weak side of the field there's no way so no. that means then it's either on brooks to nail down on that shallow and abandon playing the hook from the number three and trust the combination of the weak safety or the weak corner with it which would be woolen or Woolen needs to take that through And Brooks remains the hook defender in the high hole So it's it's one of the two And I suspect it's probably on Brooks To yeah, come down I mean,
1: because Diggs wouldn't push that far over Like, if if he thought Woolen wasn't going to be playing three up Another day is here, and you're ready for it
0: What to wear? Check Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help
1: Right. So as soon as one went shallow, Diggs really started flying out. The week one went shallow, Diggs flew out uh, really far outside because he expected Woolen to get up and replace him, basically. And that's what happened. They yeah. just No one covered the, sh- the under route. Um, and when I asked uh, Diggs and Neil about the busts, uh, they just put it down to execution. So it wasn't a miscommunication thing. It was just... And- um, just blown assignments you
2: know right and i wonder with with brooks he does run after it Was that just him rallying to the ball like everybody does but to their trying to think what they're saying it could be well brooks didn't bust his assignment in that he didn't realize what he needed to do it just took him too long to get there but yeah he, which he again
1: would... is a it's a tough concept to defend and it's kind of an odd coverage for seattle to run they're clearly worried about maybe like dagger at the sticks or something but brady loves throwing a little yakky kind of drag you know that's like right. maybe it's bread and butter but anyway. right
2: i would have i mean i just feel like you didn't need anything but like cover two to both sides honestly
1: yeah um, exactly yeah anyway cover um, two match not spot yeah. drop but anyway which i don't recall seeing a single snap of but obviously i need to watch the tape back now Tie. Mm-hmm. what was weird uh, from a buccaneers perspective to wrap up on the defense was that uh, Tariq Woolen interception <laughs> which at the time i felt was very unusual but i i've since seen a broadcast where like a few plays prior brady was wide open and Willen left him alone
3: yeah i think that was just a matter of like we want to put a dagger in these guys we're and also a little bit of like we're playing in germany let's put on a little bit of show here and try to catch them off guard uh fornet just shouldn't throw that ball right yeah game like, state wise
1: the, well it didn't make sense like
3: yeah yeah like i get the idea of it but yeah. uh yeah Fournette's just got to fall <laughs> on that it's not he, was, <laughs> he was getting way too excited he
2: was like oh i gotta throw it i gotta throw it
3: yeah i have to throw um, it. that's the crazy thing about those situations too it's like every time that a running back or receiver gets the ball in that situation it's just like i have to throw this i have yeah. to throw this no you yeah. don't you don't just yeah. fall on it or if like no one's upfield just throw it out of bounds like, like yeah. Just, yeah 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 so yeah uh that was uh horrible uh and you know that felt like that was going to be the thing that that got the Seahawks back in this game, because up to that point that was all Bucks, and they put together a great drive to get down into the red zone, and then the the fumble happens on the QB uh, draw oh. uh, for for Gino. I don't even and think that was a cool draw. Like he said in the in his presser that it was.
1: Yeah, but Pete said it wasn't. Like, oh, well I, then I, there you it go. It was yeah. the the O line did not get downfield. They all passed set, and there was no attempt to block. It was very weird. Again, that was a bit cute from Seattle. Like, what was it, second and goal, and you go into empty. Yeah. I know it works. You can nitpick individual plays anyway, but that was super frustrating. And like, Seattle just made too many mistakes in this game on both sides of the ball to win. Really, like even, I mean, the final thing to say about the defense is that Brady uh, touchdown the the third one. Yeah. I was like, uh, they're blocking. The ball hasn't come out. That's offensive pass interference. And lo and behold, the I was, uh, it was the far side from me. I learned, behold, the official throws a flag. And I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. And then they throw a touchdown the other side. And I'm like, well, that doesn't matter because it's offensive pass to Films. That'll be, what would that have been? I think second and goal plus, you know, 10 extra yards,
0: mm-hmm. maybe
1: third and goal. And then they wave it off. I don't, and Pete Carroll was not happy with their explanation either. He said, because it's away from the play, it's like a philosophical thing. What does that mean? Like that—that that was a joke. That yeah. was a joke, and you know, a five-point game, Seattle, You know, the, that's that's a big swing to, for that to happen, especially when they call it on the field. Obviously, you can't, can't add on pass interference when you review a touchdown, but like you call it on the field and you decide to wave it off based on what? Like that—that that did not make any sense to me. Yeah. Now. Yeah. We're done with the defense, right? I yeah. Guess we by the way, guessed... thank
3: thank mm. God Jordan Brooks was just a cramp.
1: Yes. Yeah. We should. Yeah.
3: Good. Point, oh right, my 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 heart sank when Cause... I saw him lumping off of the field because that's the one thing that you cannot afford to have happen. Yeah.
1: So yeah. let let's talk about the field. I know both sides mm. of the ball, offense and defense. Even Pete Carroll felt that it did impact their play. Obviously, both teams are playing on the same surface, but like for instance. DJ Dallas was upset and f- thought the run game would have done way better if if, uh, if the field wasn't so slippy. And Pete Carroll, uh thought the run defense would be have been better, even though they're all playing on the same surface. The thing with this is like that surface is it needs like a longer start that I don't think exists mm-hmm. really in in American football cleats. Like I've worn yeah. uh i've i've worn american football cleats and soccer cleats and on on each surface because britain has lots of weird playing surfaces uh-huh. and you would be like slipping and sliding with american football cleats on a on a soccer field because you need something to dig into the turf a bit more right they just don't make like honestly if a team goes to germany again they should just wear soccer cleats for that game heck michael dixon already uh not michael dixon, well he might but um jason myers does anyway because he's a kicker but everyone should because they couldn't and where that really showed up was special teams a lot of the pursuit was like just hairy hairy stuff i actually felt yeah opening
3: kickoff there was uh what darden slipped and uh, one of the seahawks kick coverage guys um go ahead
1: well i just actually felt like every special teams play seattle was pinned in uh by uh, the buccaneers coverage units and they kind of got their ass kicked on special teams
2: um, I yeah, I, I saw someone a couple of years ago. Someone was, someone was either tweeting about it. I, someone who had a lot of knowledge about fields around the league and stuff, and they said that Seattle does tend to slip a lot more than most teams because they refuse to wear longer cleats, even as American football cleats go, because they're trying to to prevent as many ligament tears as possible. But then that leads to more slipping. Um, and I feel like maybe this is... What, you can also you know, tear what, your ligaments from slipping. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. <laughs> but, but just like non-contact ACLs and all that stuff, yeah. They, yeah. they don't have as many of those. And I think like statistically, they don't have as many knee tears as oh, other teams, but they do have a lot mm-hmm. of, obviously, nice. for other reasons maybe, but soft tissue injuries seem to be at a league high rate. So what or you're upper, saying is
3: like Chris and Michael needed a... Uh... C-, C Mike did nothing wrong. Yeah, he yeah, was he, he was sabotaged. Up. Yeah, yeah.
1: So yeah, when Brooks went off the field, it, the replay looked so bad because it like jarred his knee, and it was slippy out there, and the edge of the the field was really like patchy, like even thinner and not good. Um, and I was like, oh no, this looks bad. But then he came back in and was it was just cramps. So yeah, that's great news. Yeah. And Seattle came out of this game with good health. There was no major injuries. So. Mm -hmm. Again, there's positives to take. Now, the time of possession finished. The Buccaneers, 36 minutes, 55 seconds with the ball. The Seahawks, 23 minutes, five seconds with the ball. Now, part of that is the defensive struggles. The Buccaneers going 10 for 15. Seattle couldn't stop them when they needed to at the end either, which was Mm -hmm. kind of uh, that fit the kind of whole game, really. But, But also Seattle's offense was, really struggling, particularly running the football. So they went one for nine on third down. They went for two for two on uh, fourth down, but that's you don't really want to have to go for it on fourth down, right? They had uh, 14, 14 rushing plays. I had to check, I was reading that, right? For 39 yards, a 2.8 average. Now, yes, Dallas mentioned that the field may have been partially to blame, but also um, it, I don't know, we need to watch the tape, but the run game was not doing anything.
3: Once again, they got their ass kicked up the middle. They couldn't do anything on the interior at all. I mean, you know, and it seemed like partly they were trying to run away from Vita Vea, which, good plan, but Mm -hmm. it just, it wasn't working for them. Also, you know, again, gotta watch the tape. I don't know which holes were actually there, which ones weren't, (laughs) Uh, but this felt like another game in which Ken Walker was just way too hesitant in certain situations. Uh, There was a third and one where he was trying to kind of be patient behind the line try to bounce it out and then get wrapped up for a one yard loss like i don't know it just it feels like in those scenarios and again don't know what what the actual situation looks like there but to me just kind of going off of the information that i have that just feels like a situation where you just you got to get it and go and it just doesn't feel like he's really doing that especially early on in games it just kind of feels like he's trying to and, and of course this is also, stuff that showed up on his college tape as well, where he was constantly bouncing stuff to the outside and wanting to work out to the boundary and everything. So, um, but yeah, so they just they couldn't get anything going there, and that was putting them in a lot of third and longs. And so, you know, complete opposite of what you know the the Bucks situation was in this game. The Seahawks end up going one for nine on third down because mostly they were put in these really bad spots. You know, plus on uh, what was it the second drive of the game. They had a third and short ish, I believe. And then Damian Lewis had the uh fifteen yard penalty. Just can't have that, you know. And so yeah. uh it was just uh, those things just continued to happen. This the offense continued to shoot itself in the foot, uh, particularly in the first half. Second half I thought was a bit better. We'll get into that. Um, but yeah, what what was your thoughts on that? Uh Griff. Um,
2: yeah, I, I agree with you on Walker in the the run game, it was blocking not being fantastic, and then Walker not helping himself in some situations. Um, I thought Walker had a much better game as a receiver, which is cool development. Um, yeah. but yeah, he uh Chris Carson, like just to contrast, like you know, skill sets and abilities and everything. Chris Carson was particularly good at squeezing out all the yards there was on the backside of those gun inside zone runs. Part of it is that they they don't do a lot of gun inside zone now. So he might be a little rusty after doing a lot of that in college. Um uh Walker might be. Um but yeah. yeah that was like
1: their change up, wasn't it, this week? Yeah. Dumb inside their, zone.
2: Yeah. Um, and then like they clearly were game planning some specific types of runs against their fronts early on, and they were sound like you know, reasoning. You could see the 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 intention, but they just it was some player on the Bucs just outplaying in enough spots and the block just couldn't get up. So th- th- this offensive line's ability to move people just really is not like stellar. They can definitely have moments. Each individual player is capable of having a wow block, but just collectively they're not overwhelming. They're kind of a little bit more on the finesse side of things. Um, and the Bucks are both a, rugged and finesse defensive line they can do it all when it comes to run defense like they they'll beat you with technique or sheer force yeah. um so it's just they didn't have it there in in the run game
1: Pete had a pretty astonishing comment about basically how they had to put it on uh the back of gino because they just couldn't run the ball like um yeah i need to find it but gino ends up i mean his fumble was just a really weird play i think he was trying to reach forward Negate the loss somewhat, but like he put the ball out there and it got knocked out. Mm. It was a bit weird, but um,
2: by the
3: way, can piece... we talk about Gino uh, real quick? Uh, sure. I mean, this arguably was the biggest game of his entire NFL career, given the pageantry of it all going up against Tom Brady, mm. just kind of the setting. You know, he hasn't played in a lot of big games before, so uh, as as an NFL player, so mm-hmm. I felt like maybe he was a little amped uh to start this game Uh, might have been
1: maybe i i know the 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 sentiment of the offense from like again multiple players afterwards was that all of the issues in the first half were execution like tampa bay did what they expected they just got out executed i didn't necessarily sense you know being a bit amped other than that weird play but then like you know brady has a weird pick which she like i don't know he thought barton wouldn't play that like it was the bad pick Mm -hmm. uh But, you know, Gino finishes at 33, 23, 275 yards, two passing touchdowns. And those two fourth down conversions were brilliant. It's just in the first half, Seattle seemed to come in with like a, we're going to try run the ball, which we did predict. We did say that um, they try to control the clock a bit and keep, you know, Brady out off there, but they, they couldn't run the ball. And then they finally open it up and give it to sort of Geno, but that's becoming that's too one-dimensional you can't really do that when you can't run the ball it it impacts you it wasn't the way that seattle wants to win it wasn't the way that they've won the last four games
2: um yeah and and anytime you regardless of how much you do run the ball if the gains are that minimal you're just backing yourself up you're not gonna you're, you're not gonna be converting um or the 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 chance of converting a new series is is minimal um that said, though, when Pete said that they they leaned on Gino, I mean, th- whatever their four minute plan was like their four minute drive, what they had game game plan for this game. It was clearly effective because they really were even in that that fumble, the fumble drive, which was a horrific play. And yeah. they were still still moving the ball in that drive. And then they in the subsequent drives, they were they were moving the ball. So they found their rhythm. Um i think part of not finding the rhythm earlier was that they just didn't have the drives they didn't have the time of possession in the first half to really get going um so that that um that hurt them um i i think though that like you know 275 yards on for about 8.3 yards per attempt or whatever it was and i think his epa per per attempt was up there too so I mean, it wasn't a bad game in the passing game. They just needed more chances, and it was too little, too late. Um, mm-hmm.
1: It's just but... like it's like they hadn't ever seen. And this isn't the first time I felt this, but that first half, other than like when the Bucks really thought a shot was play was coming, like pistol full house, they went cover four because they knew Seattle was doing it to try and get one on ones outside. Mm-hmm. But most of the time, it was like it looked like cover three buzz. And it's not the first time that Seattle's offense has had issues like getting going against that. But then in the second half, they come out and they're suddenly like all the there's like that drive of like cover three, beat to cover three, beat to cover three, beat. It's like where's this been? Like, oh, yeah, where's the drop back passing game? Where and how many bootlegs were there today? Like, two? Like, yeah, right. I guess <laughs> yeah, if the... you can't get the run game going, you. you it feels difficult i mean i i really think that whatever
2: sorry my bad i really do think that eventually walter just hit the big red button which was what's our what's my four minute play call sheet look like and Mm -hmm. it was working and it didn't stop working so we kept calling it but he clearly had a you know a, 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 a you could even say a neutral state game plan in mind and it wasn't working the way they thought they did i i think that they were trying to i think that they were trying to scheme up explosives in the run game particular looks and it just wasn't popping and they were a little shell-shocked by that like kind of deer in the headlights so he scrapped it whatever they came out with he scrapped completely and dove into we need points now offense mm-hmm. and you know, it, a you could say because you don't have the run game element, you don't have the play action in element. That is a imbalanced approach. And Pete even said we well, needed to lean on gino And what do you do in two minute situations, four minute situations? You lean on the quarterback in a situation where the defense knows you're leaning on him, and they execute it in spite of it. And that's probably to, to your point. They don't they play a lot of cover three, spot trap, cover three. They'll play. Of course, they have their two high stuff. Um but uh they just executed in spite of that like the, the the throw up the seam to goodwin when i mean the where he got rid of the ball that will look really pretty on tape um where he got rid of it relative to where the defenders were relative to where goodwin was like great play and then he even managed to throw it back hip out you know against the grain of the safety while throwing it before the ball was the receiver was open so like that's just a very anticipatory play um you know they had the DK isolation stuff um they had some success there uh the throw to touch the 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 throw to Goodwin's touchdown um mm. the throw that was Goodwin's touchdown was amazing I don't know how mm-hmm. he or Goodwin did that Um I
1: was right on the uh the line of that football really it was excellent nice yep. Very um, pretty easy throw
2: so I mean, there isn't a lot of negative things to say about the pass game in that sense, because again, they moved the ball, they just didn't get enough
3: chances. Um yeah. so I don't know. There were a couple times though where it seemed like Gino could have run for a first down and he just passed out yeah. for some reason. Yeah. Like that that's really my only real critique of him. Yeah, what in was the pass that? Game.
1: There was that play where he had the edge against uh Srianka, right? Number nine. Third and um, two, whatever it was. Yeah, thirty-two, and then like he, he threw it into to, double coverage against He's looking uh, for Lockett lock in like the laid down flat, but like yeah. he just should should have gone for it. Um yeah. but he's just trying too hard to keep his eyes downfield, which you know, you, you'll get rewards from that too. I think this is a pretty good way of um the explosives on my miscellaneous statistics report the the bucks had one two three four five six seven eight nine nine explosives and i'm sure there's one or two 12 yard runs as well whereas seattle had one two three four five six explosives and there might be one 12 yard run but they got out of explosive for the first time in a while and they've lost so again that's mm-hmm. that uh side of the game is not on their in their favor either um they just didn't turn up for first half Uh, and then they made one too many mistakes when they're trying to come back. Like, I think that's, is that a good summary?
3: Mm. Yeah, and, you know, again (laughs) uh, the first half goes just even just slightly a a little bit different. They they probably won this game uh, Mm. considering the way that the second half of this game went. Uh, Yeah, they weren't able to uh, get the ball back there at the end and you know, who knows how everything else plays out, but, uh, well, I felt they were
1: pretty... probably due a game like this as well. Cause I feel like they got left. They've been let off a, a few
3: times and they've had a few, you know, it's football, right? There's yeah. variants. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. That's why like, I don't know. The, <laughs> the Twitter reaction to this game is a little, little much. I like, guess just, it's going to happen. It's week 10. There's a lot of outside factors. like went into this game as well, I think. And, um, Yeah, and you're going up against the greatest quarterback of all time. Like you're going to get got a little bit, and this defense is pretty good. So it's going to happen.
2: Um, I think though. So I don't think that there's any like any reason for concern because the Mm -hmm. fix, the fixes, what you can do, what's in your control, seem so obvious. The same way that they seemed obvious after week four, and then some of the changes they made in week five, then even more changes they made hitting into week six. And like, you could, you could fathom at that point in time, multiple different types of changes. You you could like put forth an argument for, you could do this, you could do that. But we all said that, well, they're going to do this because this feels obvious because it just flows from what they already kind of have, what they've done last year, et cetera. Right. So at, at this point there, you could go a number of directions with trying to, you know, get back on track, but I feel like what they would do to do that feels equally obvious and that is you have front checks that handles those runs you just need to be more pre- prepared have them on hand to call them when you need you've got some run blitzes or lo- line slants that you can whip out whenever you need them just make sure you have them in the game plan um and then in in the in the past game you just need to you need to have like drill specific um mo- modes of matching against certain formations that they also have. They just weren't expecting, essentially, they got caught in stuff that they weren't expecting to get caught in. It's not like they haven't presented the the same football answers before, and the football answers that those are really aren't that difficult to roll out there. Um, no. So that's why I feel like the the, the fixes are, are, are very – Are pretty easy like when it comes down to one-on-one execution like one guy versus one guy i don't feel like they were dragging that far behind this game in fact for a large percentage of it i'd live with the results there um everything Mm. else was just circumstantial and, and team play um you just need to make the circumstances work for you by essentially being more prepared and that's why this game plan was so good for the bucks because they did stuff they normally don't do like Mm. like a tendency breaker game they probably don't do this next week right
1: um and carol carol was asked about um just noticing in ty's great graphic the zero sacks uh figure carol was asked about that and um he said that their rush plan for brady didn't really work in the way they wanted i actually thought the buccaneers offensive line in the run and pass game just went to work i think they've sort of found something they're they're heating up but um I think the rush plan was overload lines, but I, I didn't see too much of it. Um, do it.
3: Do yeah, there it stuff. a the big times thing. where I felt like guys won their, their reps, mm. uh, for, for the Seattle. Th- Shelby Harris had a good one. That's really it though. That's all the I big, can think of right now.
1: The big thing is this is a game where unlike the last four games or whatever, but the games they've won, they didn't have a two score lead going into the fourth quarter. They were down by two scores and. That's why it's important to be up in the fourth quarter because then you can go to work, just like the Buccaneers' pass rush was trying to go to work up in, in that element. Uh, how many sacks did the Bucks finish with? Probably not Three. too many, actually. Three, I believe. Three, yeah, and they, some of those were early. But anyway, I guess the positive is they're still they six and four. Like Drift said, they they have the solutions. They just got the balance wrong today. Uh, And the offense did its thing of, which again, like, I don't know how much of this is Waldron. Like, because I don't know how they, they have like halves where they just do not do it. Like that's not, we've seen that with Gino and Russ. Like it's not a quarterback specific thing. And yeah, the NFL is difficult and the Buccaneers defense does have a lot of talented players, but to just completely just collapse in these ways when you're, been so hot is is unusual yeah yeah
2: um all the only thing we know is that when they're presented with like not when they're presented when they what they've been doing reveals some significant weakness with we tend to see a pretty focused response so i'm curious to see what uh, the come right yeah and they have another week to think about it too mm-hmm. So just specifically how they do make those tweaks will will really provide commentary on what they think the weak
3: spots are as well.
1: And uh yeah, who have they got next? The Raiders?
3: Raiders. And that they is are, uh definitely a good team to uh they are losing thirteen to seven to uh Jeff Saturday and the Colts.
1: Saturday.
3: So that is a very good team to uh, potentially U-turn against. There we go.
1: There we go. You got uh-huh. it in. Hold well on. Yep. Proud of yourself. 49ers yep. play
3: tonight. Ooh, okay. Against... Anything that. Uh, by the way, no matter what else happens today, the Seahawks stay in first place. So right.
1: There you go. Good copium. Just win the division. Don't bottle it. Don't panic. Don't, bottle Don't it. panic. Don't Just panic. Just stay calm, everyone. It's just a, a minor blip on the road to the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh-huh. What did you think, finally, a, a, another special teams thing, Pete Carroll decided uh to not take uh, Jason Myers onto the field for a 57-yard field goal. They took a delay of game. They punted. I think it went back into the end zone. No, it was down at the 12 by below It came off his knee. Yeah. And, uh, then myers was good from 55 after dk's uh unsportsmanlike conduct penalty when he was thought he should have had defensive pass interference throwing on the back shoulder fade which fell incomplete by the way that was not defensive pass interference dk just got boxed out and uh yeah, yeah so miles was good from 55 again i'd have asked carol this but i missed the press conference would you what i mean do you have a strong opinion i feel people are grumpy about this because they had to get up as 6 30 a.m towards the game there was very grumpy comments all throughout uh, w- were
3: you yeah. grumpy today Griff? waking up at six uh man? i
2: know because i'm an early bird so i'm up. no at, like,
1: really you're an early bird
2: i so i would have woken up at around 7 15 anyway so I was like ah what's 45 extra minutes you catch the worm catch the worm mm-hmm. gotta get some things going take care of some things checked out the mm-hmm. volcano checked out the volcano it's still Eruptionless. It's I'm winning that staring contest. Yeah. Um, Scared. But but to to answer your question, I think that Pete Carroll was didn't want to shatter Myers' confidence by potentially missing a big kick in front of all of the Europeans Um, because you guys kick a lot of balls over there. That's true. Um,
1: Always kicking balls. You don't throw them
2: as often as we do. We like to throw them. You guys like to kick them. And I don't think he wanted to make him feel embarrassed. You guys. You guys do your ball throwing. Don't get me. You'll throw some balls.
1: Well, no on on the Wait. subject of throwing balls i think brady's children were uh on the field in like the pre-game the pre-pre-game uh-huh. and uh-huh. oh my god like this kid looks about six and he's like making S- incredible catches, and funny. the other kid is a bit older and he is slinging it and he That's walks just funny. like tom so, so they're funny. coming they're coming <laughs>
2: We've got a Manning After, coming down. The yeah, yeah, we right got now, Arch.
3: Right. We got Arch Manning coming in in a couple of years. What's
1: Breeze's kid doing? We need Breeze and we need Philip. One of Philip Rivers is offspawns. We yeah. just need the same quarterback names for like the next ten centuries. <laughs>
2: well, all right, just statistically, one <laughs> of 10 Rip,
1: centuries, decades. I did that last time.
2: Statistically, one of Phil's kids have to be good at football. Like, there's just yeah. You're rolling. It's it's a roll of the dice, and they've they've rolled it too many. We get times into tonight.
1: eugenics here.
2: Uh, no, but okay. I'm saying that good. statistically, good. when you've got 14 of them going on 24, one of them's got to be good at throwing the rock, right?
3: How I many of think, them are there?
2: Like 43. He has like I think he actually has like eight or something. <laughs> I was
1: close. Okay. No, the seed, I just basically the seed is strong. Hmm. We'll put it that way. It's always important. Right. Well, with that, we will be back on Wednesday with uh, our Matty and Ty tape. Not tape. Matty and Ty newsy kind of segment. You you guys wouldn't want
3: that. You guys wouldn't want a Matty and Ty tape review. Trust me.
1: No, it would go go off the rails. And then on Mm -hmm. the next day, Griff and I and maybe Ty will break down the film of this game hopefully find some copium in there i'm sure there will be some although actually maybe not I haven't been at the game anyway uh and then on sunday we won't be here because or we might we, we we'll figure out the bye week but we're only going to do two podcasts that week because it's the bye week and we don't need to do uh them because the Yorks aren't playing and we
0: are going i'm going on vacation actually so there you go